Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Engaging the power of grace. And in Genesis chapter 1, reading from verse 1, the Bible tells us, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God divided the light from darkness, and called the light day, and darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. By the time we go through verse number 6, through verse number 25, the Bible tells us about the creation of the firmament, the separation of the day and night. The Bible talks about the appearance of the land. It talks about the creation of the sea creatures, the land animals, how he created the plant. And by the time you get to verse number 26, the Bible now talks about how God created man. In verse number 26, the Bible says, Let us therefore make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything, every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb and there that yields seeds, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be food. Also, to every beast of the earth, every bird of the air, and everything that creeps upon the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, from this verse of scripture and some other verses that we are going to refer to in a minute, the Bible makes us to understand, the first thing I want you to notice, number one, is the creation of man. The creation of man. Which tells us that man is not a cosmic accident. Man is not the result of evolution. Number two, I want you to notice the nature of man. The Bible says, God said, let us make man in our own image. Which means, man is created in the image of God with the spirit of God dwelling inside of him. Number three, I want you to notice the purpose of man. Man was created to have dominion over the creative order. Man was created to have dominion over the creative order. Now the Bible tells us there in verse number 26, it said, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion over everything that the Lord has made. Number four, I want you to notice the power and the authority that the Lord gave to man. The power and the authority that the Lord gave to man. The Bible makes us understand, man was created to have power and authority over the created order. Everything, both land and sea, everything, both animals and plants, God gave him power over the created order. And the most importantly, number five, I want you to notice in Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 8, the Bible tells us the environment that God puts man after the creation. 
the environment that God put man after creation. Genesis chapter 2 verse number 8. The Bible says, the Lord planted a garden. The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse number 8. Genesis chapter 2 verse number 8. The Lord planted a garden eastward of Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And the question is why? Why did the Lord God Almighty make man? Why did he give him the nature that he gave him? Why did he give him the authority and the power? Why did he put him in that particular environment? Why did God place man in a unique environment? Why did he place him in the Garden of Eden? What was the purpose of Eden? He could have put him anywhere. But the Lord God Almighty filmed the whole world and created and cultivated a special garden. And put him there. What was the purpose of Eden? Let me suggest to you that the purpose of Eden, number one, is the place of habitation. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8. is that the Lord planted a garden in eastward in Eden and there he put the man that he has formed. It's a place of habitation. Number two, Eden is a place of productive engagements. The Lord Almighty put Adam in Eden so that Adam can walk and be productive. Look at verse number 15 of Genesis chapter 2. He said, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. So God did not make man to be idle. God did not make him to sit in the Caribbean and sip pina colada and drink those drinks that have umbrella. That was not the intention of God. It was not for him to have a perpetual vacation. Work is not a curse. It's a blessing of the Almighty God. So what was the purpose of Eden? Number one, the purpose of Eden is a place of habitation. The purpose of Eden is a place of productive engagement. The purpose of Eden is a place of creativity. A place where man can release the creative ability, the creative nature that is in him. Look at verse number 19, Genesis chapter 2. The Bible tells us there, after the Lord had formed every beast of the field, God brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called the living creature, that was the name. Adam had never seen a lion before. But as soon as a lion was brought to him, he said, this you will be called a lion. Never seen a tiger before. He said, this you will be called a tiger. And the Lord Almighty said that everything that God created, he brought it to Adam and Adam named it. There was that creative ability in the life of Adam that was inside of him and Eden was a place of creativity, a place where that creativity manifested. Number four, Eden was a place of relationship. The Bible makes us to understand it was in that particular place, verse number 18, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. He said, the Lord said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. In other words, Eden is not a place where you are supposed to be alone. It's a place where you develop relationship. It's a place where you enjoy fellowship. It's a place where you have interaction with other people. A place of creativity. So Eden was a place of relationship. That was the purpose of Eden. But most importantly, most importantly, Number five, Eden was a place of divine fellowship. Eden was a place of divine fellowship. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8. The Bible tells us there, And they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It was the place where God came visiting his people. It was a place where God had fellowship with his people. It was a place where God interacted with man on a regular basis. In the cool of the day, the Lord God Almighty came and fellowship. Eden was the ideal environment for God to meet with the man in the cool of the day. It was the ideal environment for the divine human interaction. 
That was what Eden was. That was the purpose of Eden. God specifically created Eden to be a place where he will fellowship with man. And I want you to note one thing, as long as Adam remained in Eden, as long as Adam maintained Eden, as long as Adam kept Eden pure, he will continue to enjoy the fellowship of the Almighty God. God will continue to show up as long as Adam kept that place clean and pure. As long as he tended it, the God Almighty will continue to fellowship with him. And as long as Adam continued to live in Eden, as long as Adam continued to live in the presence of the Almighty God, Adam will remain at the top of the food chain. Because he was going to continue to be the one that dominates. He said, I've given you a power over everything that I've created. And as long as Adam remained in Eden, he will continue to have power over everything. So as long as Adam remained in Eden, remained in the presence of the Almighty God, he will continue to be the top of the food chain, he will continue to subdue, he will continue to dominate. Why? Because he was living and functioning in the environment that God has given him. He was living and functioning in the place where God has created him to be. He was living in the presence of the Almighty God. And as long as he's living in the presence of the Almighty God, the power of the Almighty God, the resources of heaven are available to him. And the same is true for you, the same is true for me. As long as as we live and function in the presence of the Almighty God, As long as you live and function in the covering of the Almighty God, what you will begin to see is that you will be operating at peak performance. You will be operating at the best level possible. The things that the whole world are suffering will not come near you because the Lord God Almighty will be a covering unto you. That's why the Bible tells us in Psalm 91, it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. Why? Because under the shadow of the Almighty God, you have everything you need. And as you continue to live in that presence, and you continue to abide under that shadow, you will continue to subdue, you will continue to dominate your environment. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, abide in me, I in you. He said, and then you will do what? You will bring forth much fruit. But once you get out of my presence, once you depart from Eden, what happened? My presence is no longer with you. You no longer have that provisions anymore. As long as Adam was living in the presence of the Almighty God, remaining in Eden, he will continue to perform at peak performance. He will continue to operate at a very, very high level. But as soon as he stepped out of the presence of the Almighty God, as soon as he was unable to maintain the presence of the Almighty God, what you find is that things began to fall apart. When you start praying and maintaining the presence of the Almighty God, what you find? Things happen in your life. Doors open. The sickness that other people are experiencing, you don't see it. The challenges that other people are facing, you don't see it. Not because you are good, but because you are enjoying the covering of the Almighty God. But at one point in time, because of the nature of man, say, oh, this prayer is too much trouble. Going to church is too much trouble. Serving the Lord is too much trouble. I will do it on my way. And then what happened? Things begin to go down. 
As soon as we are unable to remain in the presence of the Almighty God, in the place that God has kept us, things will begin to fall apart. And unfortunately, that was what happened to Adam. The Bible makes us understand that Adam was unable to keep and to maintain the ideal condition that was in Eden. The Bible told us that Adam polluted the garden with sin. And in verse number 23 of Genesis chapter 3, the Bible said, Therefore the Lord sent him out of the garden of Eden and to till the ground from which he was taken. And he drove out the man and placed cherubims at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which stunned every which way to guard the way to the tree of life. And as students of the Bible, you know that since Adam left the Garden of Eden, since Adam left the presence of the Almighty God, death reigned and Adam has been looking for a way to go back into the presence of the Almighty God. Adam has been looking for a way to go back to Eden. Alright? Because the way, since the Lord Almighty sent him out, he has been looking for a way to go back. Since the Lord sent him out, he has been trying to recreate the conditions of Eden. And that's why you see people try to worship God. They do all sorts of funky things to be able to worship God because they want to experience, they want to recreate Eden where they encounter God. Man is doing everything possible to regain that particular Edenic experience. They want to go back to having that fellowship again. They want to go back to enjoying that big performance. They want to go back to having a time when the Lord Almighty will walk with them in the cool of the day. And you know the worst thing in life is for you to have access, enjoyed something, and that thing taken away from you, and you not being able to get it back again. That's the most, it's the most sickening feeling that an individual can have. When you have access to something good, and for some reason you made a mistake, and that thing was taken away from you, and then you are not able to get it back again. Every time you remember, you keep beating up yourself. And that is what happened. Man lost Eden and I've been trying to get it back. And the question is, why is it that the soul of man is always seeking for that particular Edenic experience? Why is Eden so important to man? What is so special about Eden? Look at the book of Psalm 16. Psalm 16, reading from verse number 11, the Bible says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are the pleasures forever. In other words, Eden is special. Because Eden is the place where man encountered the presence of the Almighty God. And I tell you, if you have ever encountered the presence of the Almighty God, it is something that you look for every day. For those who are born again, when you had that genuine experience, when you had that genuine encounter with God, you always want to have that experience every day. So Eden is special because Eden is the place where man encountered the presence of the Almighty God. Eden is special because Eden is the place where man enjoyed fullness of joy. When Adam was in Eden, there was no problem. No issues. They had fullness of joy. Number three, Eden is special because Eden is a place where Adam found pleasures forevermore. Everlasting pleasure. What does he want that he cannot reach his hands unto? Eden is a special place because Eden is a place where he found the fullness of life. A place of fulfillment. A place of fulfillment. When you wake up one day and they ask you, what do you want? You say, I don't want anything. I am just happy. I am just contented. It's a place of fulfillment. Genesis 2.25, the Bible tells us that at Eden, Adam and Eve were both naked and they were not ashamed. There is a level you get to when you are not ashamed of anything anymore. You are satisfied. You are happy. 
a place of full life, a place of full contentment, a place of full satisfaction. That is why Eden is so special in the heart of men. Psalm 16 verse 11 again says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That is why Eden is special to Adam. That is why man has been seeking a way to go back to Eden. But you know that the presence of the Almighty God, Adam lost in Eden, has made available to all those that Jesus Christ died for. In other words, that particular presence that Adam lost, that Eden that Adam lost, Jesus Christ made it available for all those who will seek him. And that's why he said in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, he said, Behold, I stand at the door, knock. If anyone open, hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. So that presence that we are all seeking, the presence that Adam lost in Eden, that presence Jesus Christ has made available to us. Eden is right before us. God's presence is available to anyone who wants it. All you have to do is open the door of your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will come in. The question is, why is the presence of God very, very important? I want you to look at the book of Genesis 39. And I will use the life of an individual to illustrate the importance of the presence of the Almighty God. Genesis 39, reading from verse number 2, the Bible tells us, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, for you to understand what it means, when the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, go to the book of Psalm 105. Psalm 105, reading from verse number 20, the Bible says, The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him the lord of his house. And the ruler of all his substance. To bind his princes at his pleasure. And to teach senators his wisdom. That is the presence of the almighty God. Did all these things in the life of Joseph in one day. The presence of the almighty God. He did all that in the life of Joseph in one day. What did he do? Number one. The presence of the almighty God gave Joseph deliverance. The Bible says the king sent and lose him. That is deliverance. Number two, the presence of the Almighty God gave Joseph promotion. He made him Lord of his house and rulers of all his substance. That is what the presence of the Almighty God will do for you. When you carry the presence of the Almighty God, no devil can come near you. When you carry the presence of the Almighty God, you'll find the divine provision made available for you. When you find the presence of the Almighty God, there's divine authority. When there's presence of the Almighty God, there's a divine change of level. The Bible said to bind his priest at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. That is what the presence of the Almighty God does for you. It changes your level. It takes you from where? From the low level where you are and it places you at the place where everybody will become an envy of all nations. It's a change of level. That's what the divine presence of the Almighty God does for you. These are the things that God does for you. And that is why God's presence is important in your life, is important in my life. That's why Moses said, Lord, if your presence don't go with us, please don't take us from here. If you are not going to go with us, if your presence is not going to accompany us, please don't take us out of here. The presence of your mighty God gives you deliverance, gives you promotion, gives you exaltation, changes your level. And Joseph experienced a divine change of level in one single day because of the presence of your mighty God. The question then is how do you access that presence of the Lord? How do you access it? How do you access the presence of the Almighty God? How do you enjoy the presence of the Almighty God like Joseph did? How do you do it? Look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Reading from verse number 3. The Bible said, Thou art holy, 
O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. You are holy, O God, who inhabits the praise of Israel. In other words, one of the many ways in which you can access the presence of the Almighty God, and the easiest way that you can enjoy the constant presence of the Almighty God, like Joseph did, is to engage the power of praise. That is the easiest way. We access and enjoy the presence of God like Joseph by encountering or engaging the power of praise. And that's why David, a man who enjoyed the presence of the Almighty God, said in Psalm 34, reading from verse number 1, David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. David said that because David understood that engaging the power of praise brings the presence of the Almighty God into your life. Because when you are ministering to God in praise, what happens? The Lord God Almighty comes into your midst. And the question is, what does it mean to praise? What is praise? A lot of us will hear the word praise, but what is the what does it really mean? To praise means to commend, it which means to entrust yourself to the care of one who is able to provide or who is able to preserve. To praise is therefore to commend. Number two, to praise is to approve. To say this person is worthy of praise. Is worthy to be adored. Is worthy to be worshipped. And the Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 59, verse number 16. It says, but I will sing your praise. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense. So to praise is to approve. To praise is to glorify. Which means to bestow honor onto somebody, to adore somebody, to reference somebody, to bow and to worship somebody. That is what it means to praise. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah 25, verse 1. It says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. You will I praise. Your name will I praise. For you have done wonderful things. Your counsel of old are faithfulness and truth. To praise means to glorify somebody. Then how do you engage the power of praise for God to be able to change your level? To answer that question, you must first of all understand the connection between praise and the presence of God. There is a connection between the two of them. There is a relationship between praise and the power of God. If you go back to that Psalm 22 again, verse number 3, the Bible says, Thou art holy, O thou that inhabit the praise of Israel. In other words, the relationship between praising God and enjoying the presence of the Almighty God is number one. Praising God draws the attention of God into your situation. You are praising Him and you are saying, God, I thank you. Lord, I worship you. And God is saying, who is that person doing that? It draws the attention of the Almighty God. It attracts God's attention. That's what praise does. That's the connection. Number two, the relationship between praise and the presence of the Almighty God is that praise generates an atmosphere that is conducive for God to show. It's an atmosphere that is conducive for God to dwell in. That's why praise is very, very powerful. It generates the right atmosphere for God to be in. Number three, the relationship between praise and the presence of the Almighty God is that it creates the correct environment. It creates your own Eden where God can come and fellowship with you. Praise creates the right environment for God to operate. But most importantly, the relationship between praise and the presence of the Almighty God is that God dwells in that particular praise of His people. If you read the book of Revelation, you say the elder, say the twenty-four elder, they bow before Him, doing what? Just praising Him. 
You see, there are choirs in heaven and they are just singing the praise. I mean, that place will be a big party. 24-7. People just having fun. Playing all kind of music. God is so much into praise that he created an individual, an entity, that all his body was just music. And that was Lucifer before the fall. That's to tell you how powerful praise is in the presence of the Almighty God. If God dwells in that particular environment, he sits in there. It's just like when you wake up in the morning, there's music playing. You're about to go for breakfast, music is playing. In your story, talking to people, there's a background music playing. I mean, there's always praise going on around him. Said the 24 elders, they cast down their, their crown before him, just praising him. That's the relationship between praise and the presence of the Almighty God. So why does praise attract the attention of the Almighty God? Praise attracts the attention of the Almighty God because it shows your heart adoration. When you love somebody, you have no problem telling men, you are so beautiful. There's no problem because there is an adoration of your heart. You are pouring your heart to that person. Praise attracts the attention of the Almighty God because it shows your heart desire. You are in love with this person. And your heart begins to pour out praise to that person because you are in love with that person. Praise attracts the attention of the Almighty God because it tells you what you value. When you see what a person values, the way they look at it is different. That's why when you see a man in love and a man who is not in love, you can tell just by the way they look. It tells you, praise attracts the attention of the Almighty God because it tells you what your heart values. It shows where your heart is. Praise attracts the attention of the Almighty God because it shows you that you recognize where your sustenance come from. If I know that this is the person that is sustaining me, what do I do? You worship that person because you know that if that person cuts off the supply, you are done. That's why praise attracts the presence of the Almighty God. Number five, praise attracts the attention of the Almighty God because it reveals that you recognize that He is the one that keeps and preserves you. The Bible says that know ye not the Lord, that He is God. He is the one that made us and we not ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. A heart of appreciation. That's why it attracts the Almighty God. That's why praise attracts God's attention and brings God's presence into our midst. Because it tells God that you recognize Him. It tells God that you appreciate Him. It tells God that you adore Him. It tells Him that you value Him. It tells Him that you desire Him. It tells Him that you know that He is the most important one, the one that sustains the universe with the voice of His power. Now, if praise is so important, why is it that people find it difficult to do? Especially in church. You call somebody and say, it's time for praise and worship, and their sister, you're looking at like this. If praise is so powerful, and God can do all this thing, and God can move great things in your life, why is it that believers are having difficulty praising God? Let me suggest to you, number one, you will not be able to praise God if your knowledge of God is limited. If you don't know Him, you can't praise Him. Number two, if your experience of God is limited, you have no experience with God, God has not really done anything for you, why would you praise Him? If you have no testimony of the things that God has done for you, why would you praise Him? But if I'm driving on the way, and a trailer came and crossed the person in front of me, and crossed the man behind me, and I'm standing there unscathed, what happened? I know that God is able to deliver, so when I come into His presence, I say, Lord, I thank you because you are my deliverer. Why? Because I've experienced the power of God to deliver. 
If I turn into my pantry and there is no food, there's no food in the fridge, and my children are looking for what to eat, and the Lord God Almighty miraculously sends somebody and provided for me, then I know that God is my provider. And when I come into his presence, I say, God, I thank you because you are my provider. Why? Because I've experienced God as the God that provides. So you cannot praise God when you don't know him. You cannot praise God if your experience with God is limited. You cannot praise God if you cannot recognize that everything you have comes from the Almighty God. You cannot praise God if you cannot acknowledge that He is the source of all things. You cannot praise God. And finally, you cannot praise God if you do not know how to say thank you. We live in an age where everybody believes that everything they got is by right. My father has done some things 500 years ago, so today I'm here to collect. If that is your mindset, you can't thank God. Because you believe God owes you. And as long as you have that attitude that God owes you, you cannot thank Him. The question then is, how do you attract the presence of God to praise? How do you do it? You praise Him in spirits. John chapter 4 tells us, but the hour is coming now and now is when the true worshippers will worship God in spirits and in truth. There are so many people who praise the Lord Almighty because they want to let the whole world know that they are praising Him. And Jesus was really not the best fan of those people. The Bible tells us, He said that Jesus Christ kept telling the Pharisees, He said, you make a lot of show about all these things, but you neglect to do the right things in the law. So when you want to praise God, to draw the attention of God, it is done simply. Just worship the Lord. You are not trying to put up a show. Lord, I thank you for this thing that you have done. I thank you for that that you have done. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.